If there's one verse that summarizes the heart of the Bible, it's John 3.16. All the highways of divine truth meet at this great intersection. John Phillips said, the text itself revolves around ten words. God, love, world, gave, son, whoever, believes, have, life. These ten words, he says make up the constellation of the Redeemer in the firmament of divine revelation. Now remember Nicodemus. Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jew, came to Jesus after dark to have a conversation, teacher to teacher. He came in private, maybe so that he would not be interrupted or maybe so he would not be discovered. But Nicodemus, an intelligent person, could not grasp the truth and the concept of the new birth. He just couldn't wrap his mind around it. He had power in his position. He had prestige in his position. He had a very important position, but he wanted more than he had because what he had still left him unfulfilled. Does that describe your life this morning? You have everything this world has to offer, but there's still something missing in your life. Nicodemus was seeking and made the same discovery people today need to make. He needed Jesus in order to have eternal life and to be fulfilled and complete. See verse 7, chapter 3 of John. Jesus said, Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you cannot hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. In verse 7, underline the word must. This is a strong term that refers to absolute necessity. The new birth is not optional. It is imperative. Being born again is an absolute prerequisite for entrance into heaven and spending eternity forever with Jesus. As we celebrate our uniqueness today, we're concentrating on this great verse as we think about the world that God loves and the world for whom God died, whom Jesus died rather. So keep your Bibles open to John 3, 16. Let's break it down for just a moment. First of all, the heart of the Bible is expressive in its action. The verb that John uses shows the magnitude of God's love. For God so loved the world. The magnitude of God's love for us and the uniqueness of God's, of God's love for us. John could have used eros to describe John's, uh, God's love. This love responds to someone or something we find attractive. It could be a person or it could be uh, a work of art. The word gives us our English word erotica. Thus, we usually think of this as sensual love. But this was not the best description of the kind of love that that God displayed when He gave Jesus. He could have used philos, love based on having something in common. This is often referred to as as, uh, brotherly love or friendship love. This word was not the best word that John could find to describe God's sacrificial love. Instead, he used agape Agape love. This kind of love is sacrificial love in which the the subject deliberately and intentionally decides to do for others what is good and what is best, whatever the cost. This love is always other person centered. This love is never what's in it for me. This love is never a me first kind of love. It's always thinking about the benefit of the other person. 
In the context of marriage, author Gary Smalley said this love is more than a feeling. This love is more than, than an emotion that comes and goes. This love is a, a deliberate decision, a commitment, a choice that says, I love you and I will continue to love you. No four biblical insights into God's unique love as we think specifically about agape love for a moment. First of all, this love is universal in its offer. God so loved the world. It's incomprehensible in its fullness. When Paul was praying that uh, prayer of Paul recorded in Ephesians chapter 3, he said this in verse 19. He said, joining him in mid-sentence, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge beyond our human understanding. We cannot get our minds around this great sacrifice that Jesus, that God made for us. The, 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 the length that Jesus went to show us that He loves us. It's incomprehensible. It's unlimited in its reach. You're familiar with Romans chapter 8, verses 35 through 39. Nothing, not one earthly thing, can separate us from the love of Christ. And then Paul starts, starts listing all the calamities he could think of. Uh, peril, nakedness, sword, uh, all kind of things that, that could, could threaten us or threaten our well-being, but nothing separates us from the love of Christ. It's unlimited. And then it's unending in its character. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 3. Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Isn't that a great truth? That's a great verse to memorize. Jeremiah 31, verse 3. Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Second, the heart of the Bible is extraordinary in its inclusion. The greatest recipient is the world. God did not wait for the world to get around to turn to Him before He loved the world. He took the initiative then. He takes the initiative now as He pursues a personal relationship with each of us. He wants a relationship with each of us that is personal, that is real, that is growing. He took the initiative in His love for the world, for every person of the world. The, the object of God's love is every nation. But when we think of nations, we're not just thinking of geographical uh, boundaries or geographical markings. We're talking about the people that make up those nations. We're talking about numerous people groups that uh, our international missionaries are trying to reach. We're talking about all sorts of folks all over the world. Every nation. He loves each in every one of us. We're so familiar with this verse. Yet as we think about Nicodemus, the first time he heard this, this was a radical truth. When this Jewish leader heard the words recorded in verse 7, Jesus saying, you must be born again. You must be born again. The popular Jewish idea regarding salvation and the way to heaven was, was refuted. Nicodemus is saying, I must be born again? What does that mean? I mean, I thought I, all I had to do was be born a Jew. And Jesus is coming along and saying, no, no, wait a minute, nope, there's another way. Then in verse 16, Jesus says, God loves the world. Nicodemus is scratching his head. And he's, he, he's, he's thinking, uh, I thought he only loved Israel. I thought we were his favored chosen people. Loving the world was, was a revolutionary idea. Morris said, the Jew 
was ready enough to think of God as loving Israel, but no passage appears to be cited in which any Jewish writer maintains that God loved the world. This idea is a distinctly Christian idea, Morris says, that God's love is wide enough to embrace all mankind. It's weird how our minds work, isn't it? And how our minds hold on to some things. I'll lay my glasses down and I can't find them anywhere. So, Amy, have you seen my glasses? I've looked on the piano. I've looked on the table. I've looked in my room. Oh, wait a minute. There they are. They were on my head all along. You lay your car keys down, you can't find your car keys. Or you park in a parking lot, you can't find your car. I mean, but I remember as probably a five-year-old preschooler, a moment on a Sunday night as a preschooler at Jefferson Avenue Baptist Church in East Point, and, and a small group of us were doing whatever we did at that hour in what we used to call training union, and the teacher had us singing. I'm sure you sang this song coming along somewhere along the way. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in His sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. And then the teacher said, a little brown girl raised her head and said, what about me? Does Jesus love me? And so she had to sing us again. Red and yellow, black, brown, black, brown and white, they are precious in His sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world, all of them, and the teenagers, and the adults, and the senior adults, and the people in countries we've never even heard of. That there's an implication here. If God so loved the world, then we too must love the world. But do we? How do we demonstrate we love people outside of our circle that we run with? How do we demonstrate that we love people who look different than we do, or who dress different than we do, or who talk differently than we do? How do we demonstrate that we have the same burden as we talked about last week for, for folks who have not yet accepted Christ, or folks who have not yet even heard the gospel message? Third, the heart of the Bible is expensive in its sacrifice. That He gave... His only begotten Son. We see the greatest act, God's giving, and the greatest gift, His, his Son, his, his, his only Son. This, this verb give, this verb gave. Think about it again, this conversation with Nicodemus. Jesus used this verb to point ahead to Calvary. Jesus was on His way to fulfill the purpose for which He came, to fulfill His, his mission. And he, He's saying, God so loved the world, He gave. Jesus shared this divine truth with Nicodemus. And when He said this word, He knew exactly what He was talking about. That the cross, the greatest expression, the greatest demonstration of agape love's sacrifice. At Calvary, God spared not His best. He gave us His all. His only begotten, His one of a kind, His one and only Son for us. As we move towards Easter, next Sunday we'll be observing the Lord's Supper and all that that symbolizes, how meaningful it is as we think about His blood shed and His body broken and the sacrifice He made in our behalf. Then the next Sunday we'll be preaching on the cross 
And then we'll have the Palm Sunday musical. I'm really looking forward to this. Easter is everything. And then we're going to have a glorious Easter. And I know that you're praying and working hard, praying for God to move, praying for great weather, praying for folks to be here, praying for folks to be saved as they hear the gospel. And you're working hard to bring folks to be here Easter Sunday. Notice this. In our English translation, and I read from the New King James Version this morning, we have 25 words in John 3.16. Right in the middle is the word son. Twelve words before, twelve words after, and the son is centered in this verse. Shouldn't Jesus be in the center of our lives too? Shouldn't He be the very center of our being, the very center of our focus, the very top of our priorities? If God gave us His very best, shouldn't we always give to Him our very best? Has God sacrificed for us? Last week, it may have been a week before last, Florida Highway Patrol Trooper Tony Shook put herself in harm's way to protect runners running a 10K across the Sunshine Skyway Bridge in Tampa. Shook was... uh, positioned about a half a mile away from the start of the race when someone got on the radio and warning about a driver who blew through the barricades at the beginning of the bridge. This driver would not stop. She was going around traffic cones. She was blowing through different uh, checkpoints. She was going around other officers refusing to stop. And this officer, Tony Shook, was the last line of defense, the last officer who could stop this vehicle from running into this flood of racers coming towards her and avoiding a disaster. So she met the oncoming vehicle head on and maneuvered her Chevy Tahoe into a violent collision with driver Kristen K. Watts, who is facing multiple charges. Shook is home recovering from her injuries. She's fortunate and blessed to even survive this wreck. Thankfully, she didn't give her life, but she risked her life to save the lives of many who could have been victims in this near disaster. God gave His all so that we might have life as He gave His one and only Son. Fourth, the heart of the Bible is extensive in its offering, but exclusive in its bestowal. The greatest beneficiary is whoever or whosoever. This is, this is the greatest opportunity. Whoever means you and you and each of us, you, whoever. There are no exceptions. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. This is the greatest offer in the world. Salvation and available are available to you right now. You're, it's available for all. They are available for all. But they are not automatic because there's a step that you and I must take, and that is believe. You must believe. Now, to believe means more than head knowledge. So Glenda shared a moment ago that she grew up, uh, I mean, she, she learned about God. She knew about God. She heard about God. But she had never placed her faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. To believe means more than head knowledge, more than gathering information. It means to to consider something to be true. Now the words faith and and believe come from the same Greek word and are two aspects of the same Greek word. Faith is the noun. Believe is the verb. When we believe, we put faith into action and place our trust 
in the Lord Jesus Christ as we apply what we say we believe. So God invites all to believe. Jesus said, whoever believes in me, whoever places trust in me, whoever opens up their life to me and receives me as Savior, they will not perish, but they will have eternal life. God's love is exclusive in the sense that you must place your faith in Jesus alone. God provides the way out of perishing, which refers to eternal separation from God because we rejected Jesus. We had the choice to receive Him, but we chose not to. So then we condemn ourselves to eternal separation from God because we rejected Jesus. So to benefit, you must receive the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. Should not perish provides the intention of God's amazing love. God's love saves man from eternal destruction. God's love looks at fallen humanity. God sees fallen humanity, sees their condition and their desperate plight, and provides the way out of that condition and into eternal life through His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by Me. He also said, as many as received Him, to them He gave the power, the authority, the right to become children of God. Listen, don't overlook the word whoever. Take that word out and insert your name here. God cares for you. Whatever's going on in your life, God loves you. God, God manages the entire universe, and doesn't He have His hands full now? Yet He knows every minute detail of seven billion individual lives. He knows your name. He knows what's on your heart this morning. He knows what's on your worry list this morning. God cares about your spiritual condition and your eternal destination. And He sent Jesus to die for you, to pay the price for your sins, to demonstrate His own love for you. In her biography of missionary Howard Thurman, Elizabeth Yates told about a visit that the Thurmans made to a particular village where a poor boy heard the missionary preach. He preached Jesus. He preached the gospel. Dr. and Mrs. Thurman had gone to bed that night, and there was, a, there, there was a little, just a little timid knock on the door. And Thurman got up and answered the door. And here was this little boy standing there. And the little boy said, I, I listen to you speak today. And I want to ask you, can you give hope to a nobody like me. Thurman explained in God's eyes there are no nobodies. Thurman explained that God sees everybody and God loves everybody. And whoever means you, whoever believes, you'll have everlasting life. You can receive Jesus right now. But, but, but know this, God's heart is you are not unnoticed. You are not a nobody. And that's great news, isn't it? Fifth, the heart of the Bible is eternal in its blessing. What happens when we receive Jesus? What happens when we open our heart to Jesus? What happens when we say yes to Jesus? What happens when we place faith in Jesus? We receive the free gift of eternal life. Here is the greatest promise, the greatest certainty, the greatest assurance. When you receive Jesus as your Savior, you no longer have to worry or need to worry about where you will spend eternity. 
If you are sincere, if you give all of yourself that you understand to all of God that you understand as you open your heart and place your trust in Jesus, then God and His power does the saving when we by faith do the asking and inviting. You can be sure that you have eternal life and a place in heaven. You can be sure that you have purpose in this life. You can be sure that you can live the abundant life through Jesus. You can be sure that you have peace with God. You can be sure that you are automatically, instantly a member of the family of God when you receive Jesus Christ as Savior. Gaylord Cambarami, the general secretary of the Bible Society in Zimbabwe, tried to give a New Testament to a very belligerent man. He was not open at all to spiritual things, especially to taking a Bible. But the man took the Bible and he said, I'm going to tear these pages out of this Bible and roll them and make cigarettes out of them and smoke every page. Kamarami said, I understand that. But at least promise to read each page of the New Testament before you smoke it. So the man agreed. He committed to do that. But he took the Bible. And he started rolling cigarettes as they went their separate ways. That's how he used the Bible. Fifteen years later, these two men met at a Methodist convention in Zimbabwe. This hard-hearted man had come to Christ, had come to Christ now, and had been called to preach. And he'd become an evangelist. And he was preaching at that convention. And he told the audience the story. And he said, I smoked Matthew and I smoked Mark, and I smoked Luke, and I smoked John until I got to John 3.16, and then I couldn't do that anymore. It changed my life that very moment. Amen. Jesus can change your life too, if you will allow Him. Have you made that decision to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior? I invite you to do that today. Let this day be your day of decision. Have you accepted Christ, but you have not yet followed through in baptism by immersion, scriptural baptism? You need to take that step. I'd like to see you get baptized Easter Sunday morning. That'll be a day you'll never forget. Come and talk to me about that. Maybe you're looking at the possibility of joining this church family and becoming part of this church family. Will you make that decision? We're here to help. If you're online, please reach out to me at this email address. If you're here in person, catch one of us at the end of the service. Don't be in too big a hurry. This is too important. You can catch me at the back door and we want to hear from you today and help you with your spiritual decision. I pray that you will receive Jesus today. Father, we give you thanks for this wonderful, powerful, potent verse that some call the gospel in miniature. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to be reminded of your love, of the offer of eternal life through Jesus. And that you love the world and we must love the world also. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.